I don't fall all off for nobody, you lop-eared carrot crusher. We're talking Bugs Bunny's Looney Christmas Tales. Hit it. It was 1979. The Knack sang about My Sharona. The Muppet movie was released. The Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series. And Bugs Bunny tried to wrangle his fellow Toon Squad in various Christmas stories. I'm your host, Jerry D., with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas from 77 to 93. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads, if it was gnarly during Christmas, in 79 especially, we got it covered. Now, joining me is a totally rad Christmas all-star and ratty winner from the Behind the Bells podcast. It's Robert Nicholas. Robert, how's it going? Good. Merry Monday or whatever day uh, this is. But how are you doing today? I dropped mine on Monday. So, yeah, it is. Nice, <laughs> I'm nice. I'm great, man. I, I, you know, it's been a nice day. I, I sold a lot of stuff at the store and felt better about myself so um, that, that I can still do what I, you know, my job and so, yeah, I'm feeling good. What about you? Well, it was kind of a long day at the office for me. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of video editing and a lot of other website work to do. So I'm already feeling a little a little loony as is. So <laughs> I guess you could say I'm totally prepared for today. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a great one. I, it's not great by any means, but it's great. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not good, but it's great. Have a Merry Melodies Christmas on Bugs Bunny's Looney Christmas Tales. Then it's an all new holiday special. Santa Bear's High Flying Adventure. Two Christmas treats Thursday. Um, I, I really enjoyed this special. We'll get into it. But before we get into it, I want to do my brand new segment this season called Hit Me With The Toaster. So I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to hit me with the first answer you can think of. Okay. All right. Here we go. If you had to replace a character from a Christmas story with a Looney Tunes character, who would you pick? Oof. I think in that one, uh, I kind of really just want to replace the old man with Daffy Duck. (laughs) That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to hear what he would say when going after the furnace or getting the leg lamp or just his response to the uh, Bumpus hounds. <laughs> I yeah, I feel like like the obvious answer uh, would be Yosemite Sam for the old man. So I like yours better because <laughs> it's 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 almost the same, but like a step above. You know, uh, I like that. I like that. And even though I could see Yosemite Sam getting a good answer. I think uh, when the world is just mean and daffy, it's a lot funnier. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I, and Daffy Duck, a lot of people like Daffy Duck, and I'm one of them. I really do. Uh, we'll talk about my history with Looney Tunes and all that in a little bit, but I really do like Daffy Duck. So that's a good choice. All right. Okay. So let's say you're being attacked by gremlins and critters. Which video game character would you want to defend you? Okay. Well, even though I'm definitely jumping ahead around the 90s, 2000s era, well, because I That's was okay. that one of those kids that watched Pokemon, I got to go with Pikachu. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> on the one hand, he has electric power, but then uh, he's also got the cute factor that Gizmo has, too. That's right. <laughs> I like that. I feel like 
if it were me, I'd pick uh, probably Mega Man just because I like Mega Man. Um, <laughs> but I think you'd be safe with like Metro, you know, Samus or or Link as well. But uh, Pikachu, that's a good one. I like that too. <laughs> You're getting some <laughs> throwing some great answers out there. All right. So here we go. Would you rather spend Christmas with Clark Griswold or a newly reformed Frank Cross? Honestly, I would pick Clark Griswold uh, any day over reformed Frank Cross. <laughs> as, I mean, as much as as funny as Bill Murray is as Frank Cross, even when he does reform, he the the way he reforms, it's almost kind of scary, and you're just not sure if um, if he would channel it the right way or if he would be that like over um uh, over a clingy friend that uh, would mm-hmm. just keep showering you with praise and would just would not let you go home for the holiday season uh, just the kind that would say hey it's only 3 30 in the morning what do you say we have ourselves a little christmas carol marathon <laughs> well and like he does have an edge when he's frank cross you know that a lot of people don't have when they're scrooge transforms they're usually just a lot softer and he there's something about his it's like he's right on that precipice of insanity i think and so yeah, yeah. i i think clark griswold is the safer choice there for sure <laughs> yeah and not to mention even though you know things are going to go wrong within the griswold house it at least still feels very warm calm and uh comforting in that house it the kind of christmas you'd really want to surround yourself that's true that that is very true although frank cross is pretty rich so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> That's I feel like he could have some really awesome celebrations, too. But no, I think I think family and coziness and comfort wins every day of the week for me, because mm-hmm. even if it's going to go wrong, at least it's going to be enjoyable to watch. I mean, there's there's your shot in Freud of the week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but that's just uh, those are, like I said, fantastic answers. That's just a way for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So thank you for that. Of course. All right. So today we're here to talk Bugs Bunny's Looney Christmas Tales. What do you remember about Looney Tunes in general and uh, this special in particular? Like what's your history with them or your experience? Okay, well, personally, uh, I think behind Mickey Mouse, uh, the Looney Tunes may be just uh, like like the one set of characters that almost all children of any generation have grown up with, mm-hmm. at least as far back as the Looney Tunes have started. And in my case, yeah, I definitely grew up watching a lot of the Looney Tunes shorts that were rerun on TV. In my case, it was more when Nickelodeon used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even I, I was aware that there were other videotapes put out or so. For some reason, I was never really inclined to rent them, but I think it was also because I knew I was going to have no problem catching it on TV. It wasn't right. really something rare that I needed to look forward to. And, of course, it helps that they got that big comeback special with Space Jam back in 96. Right. Yeah. Which, that was a uh, huge shot in the arm. really helped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, uh, as, as we know, back in uh, 2020 or 2021 uh we already had space jam 2 which already uh brought back the characters for another set of um, uh, another generation yeah which you know i mean jordan every day but uh that's, yeah. that's I, and i said it jordan's a goat all right that's uh that's the official totally red christmas position <laughs> yep but otherwise uh, the looney tunes actually uh have a big place in my heart not just on a nostalgic level but because i really respect the history that goes behind the entire team that developed the looney tunes 
you know, Chuck Jones and mm-hmm. Fritz Freeling, just the guys that really wanted to bring out these other set of cartoon characters, which, which it's always been said that if Disney was like classical music, the Looney Tunes is essentially jazz. <laughs> that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it says it all in their name, Looney right there. I yeah. mean, <laughs> no, and, and I'm kind of right there with you. I remember watching it all the time. Now I'm a little older than you. So of course I, I, uh, remember this throughout the 80s and I kind of grew up with with this when it was a little closer to their origin not much you know but a little closer um to their heyday and so if I felt like it was always on like TBS or Nickelodeon or something like you were saying you could always find it and it was one of those where in the morning before school we would get dressed and they you know we'd eat breakfast and and we'd be ready to go we'd have to wait for mom and dad to finish getting ready and I remember turning on the TV and just watching some Looney Tunes because I'd watch the USA Cartoon Express. But if that wasn't on or uh, once they stopped showing it, I just I remember watching Looney Tunes. So I can't tell you how many times I've seen all these cartoons. Uh, Count Blood Count is like one of my favorite villains of all time. You know, who? I am a vampire. Oh, yeah? Well, Abacadabra, I'm an umpire. Gossamer is there, Witch Hazel, you know, but then you have, like, all these other greats as well. You got uh, Elmer Fudd, you know, Samity Sam, Daffy Duck, Foghorn Leghorn, which we'll see a lot of in this, and and Porky Pig. I mean, they're just classic characters that everybody knows, and and for a good reason, because they, they actually had hit cartoons. Yeah, exactly. Because even though the, uh, their roster is superior, it's surprising how uh, how only a few of them really show up here, uh, which right. is which is totally fine. We still get a good bunch here, mm-hmm. even though I will say that uh, as a kid, whenever uh, whenever the Duck Dodgers cartoons came on, uh, I was always <laughs> excited for that one. I do I love, love Duck love Dodgers. Marvel yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I was also happy to see any Roadrunner cartoon, which. Thankfully, with this special, we also we got we got a Roadrunner cartoon. Yep, and yeah, it's like those. And of course, Chuck Jones very famously went on to do um, "How the Grinch Stole Christmas" with Dr. Seuss. I mean, it's 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 one of those where like Christmas kind of runs through these guys, even though there's not a whole lot of Christmas uh, actual cartoons from the Looney mm-hmm. Tunes original run. Whoa, Dunder! Whoa, Blitzen! Whoa, Fine Schreiber! Merry Christmas! But just they, they've kind of permeated the whole uh, Christmas ethos, I think, you know, they, they, they're they're just in the Christmas because of the Grinch. And now because of the special that, and later on, like you were mentioning, Bah Humduck, uh, that's mm-hmm. another one that we get. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about uh looney tunes first because i remember you know there was a time when their cartoons were so popular and then it was like the 50s or 60s that uh, budgetary cutbacks kind of forced them to not be quite as good quality i'll say mm-hmm. uh, and i remember liking those but not quite as much as i would some of the older specials and so when we get to this special you can kind of see how they're trying to amp up their animation style to where it was and some of the segments were much i think much more well done than others what about you 
Oh, yeah, because uh, as you were saying, uh, uh, this was essentially one of the first specials, uh, Looney Tunes specials, to come mm-hmm. out in a little while, considering that the same year that this was put out, in 79, this is also the very first time that a uh, compilation movie would be put out in theaters, the Bugs mm-hmm. Bunny and Roadrunner movie. Right, and right. This is kind of a bit of a comeback period, uh, or an attempt at a comeback period for the Looney Tunes after being somewhat doormat uh, for a little while, because... As you mentioned, too, uh, the the budgets at Warner Brothers got cut down and shorts were kind of winding down to a lot of studios as well. Mm-hmm. And and even though the animation here uh, isn't quite as good as some of the like Golden Age era, uh, it's still pretty good for TV animation uh, of the 70s. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. Um, and, and I do enjoy all this. Now, the, the story itself is kind of like... Uh, a framing device, I should say. They kind of use that. Uh, it's kind of not not quite. It's but there's like a through line where Bugs is just having Christmas with his friends, and then he's like, mm. "We're gonna do this show." And then they put on like a little, they they cut to the cartoon, and then you know he mentions afterwards, like he's talking to Sam, like you did a great performance there, and you know it's like it's kind of meta in a weird way. It's it's not the usual cartoon. Like I remember uh, Daffy Ducks was fantastic island i think that's what it's called where Mm -hmm. it's basically fantasy island and he there's a story of him landing on this island finding this wishing well and then turning you know making it into a prophet and uh that kind of thing and then there's little cartoons that they would splice in classic cartoons in this one they're like all new animated segments but they still kind of use that overall story device where basically bugs is just having christmas with his friends and they cut to these other animated specials within which i again i kind of like it's it's very intriguing it's a little bit uh it kind of set the stage for what's to come in their other specials and, and movies but at the time you weren't really used to it from looney tunes oh yeah considering that uh most of the uh classic looney tunes shorts tend to run from five to ten uh, minutes at the most or so mm-hmm. but this made, uh i mean along with the uh bugs bunny roadrunner movie that around the same year this was also one of the first attempts at really uh, like extending uh, the Looney Tunes into a much longer running time here, even right. though it's a half hour. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the framing device uh, does work in this case, because if you look at the other Looney Tunes cartoons, a lot of them are already pretty meta as is. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And even though I forget the name of this one uh, short that uh, Daffy was in, there was one short where uh, all that was, it was just the animator messing oh, with yeah. the entire time. <laughs> And once he uh, finally demanded to know who was doing this, uh, well, spoiler alert, it was Bugs Bunny. It was Bugs, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and then Bugs later on had the same thing happen to him with Elmer Fudd, I, if I recall correctly. I think Bugs ended up being pranked and, and drawn and all that stuff by Elmer. Yeah, and then there's even a sequel uh, to the uh, that Daffy Duck story uh, within the Super Nintendo game, um, uh, Bugs Bunny Bust Loose. Or, no, oh, it was yeah. A Bugs Bunny game. I remember Where that. at the end of the game when we find out that Bugs has been taken to other levels. Then we find out that the final boss was Daffy because he was getting revenge on him the entire time for that whole incident. <laughs> Which just feels so inspirited to That's classic, yeah. <laughs> I but love having here as kind of players to sort of go along with the shorts that they're doing here, uh, for me, really works. And it's even something that they would kind of borrow again for that second Looney Tunes movie, uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action in uh, 2003. Oh, that's right. That's the one with Brandon Fraser, right? Yeah, that, uh, the okay. one where Brendan Fraser was playing Brendan Fraser's stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I love that. I love that. 
So this special, <laughs> it aired November 27th, 1979 on CBS. We don't actually see Daffy Duck in it. And I think it's because I believe he was uh, lent out. He was like licensed out to NBC at the time. Is If I, oh. yeah. And so because of that, there was some sort of like they had their own little show. And so because of that, we don't see Daffy Duck in it. And I find that rather interesting. Like, like you think Looney Tunes and you got to have Daffy. Mm hmm. Now, you don't really miss them because of the specific segments and what they do. But at the same time, there is something not quite as loony about it. And, you're, it, you know, it's missing that that rambunctiousness and that uh, 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 jealousy and just that overconfidence of Daffy Duck, I think. Well, yeah, because uh, Bugs and Daffy had always made a good pair together because they mm -hmm. really knew how to offset each other, especially if the... If Bugs was going to play the straight man in this situation to Daffy's chaotic ideas and just roll with it uh, like the Groucho Marx he's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so even in this case, uh, it's almost kind of I kind of find the idea of Daffy being loaned out to somebody else kind of funny as if Daffy was just so hard up for money that he took the first contract <laughs> away from the living room. Like, <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> I'm a coward, but I'm a greedy coward. <laughs> that reminds me of on the the abominable snowman one where uh you know he's like muttering to himself you know i i can't stand pain it hurts me <laughs> <laughs> it's like the same thing oh goodness but let's go ahead and let's dive into this because it's looney tunes and it's over the top and wacky and i love every minute of it <laughs> all righty I'm, I'm up for that so it starts off with bugs trying to lead the choir and it's like a choir of elmer and Porky, and I think Foghorn Leghorn's there, and Yosemite Sam, and Pepe Le Pew. Uh -huh. They're singing Deck the Hall, and he's trying to do, trying to give the verse to various soloists, and they're all having trouble because of their various speech impediments, uh, <laughs> which I don't, I'm not here to make fun of anyone with speech impediments, but the Looney Tunes characters, when they do it, are, are they're funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so he first gives it to Porky Pig, who, you know, he's with his stutter, he's trying. Thank you. You mean that's all, folks? Precisely. And so he he cuts him and then he goes to Foghorn Leghorn. I say Don, we know a great, I mean, a great, a great. I'll say, I'll, I mean, he just, he can't, <laughs> he can't get through it either. So then he asked Yosemite yeah. Sam, who was like, no, I, I don't fall a law for anybody here. <laughs> He's like the tough guy. And then finally he cuts to Pepe Le Pew, who just starts singing Alouette. <laughs> it's okay. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so funny. And so then he, he ends up having to just, of course, um, just sing the verses himself. Mm -hmm. From here, it segs into the very first segment, which is a variation on a Christmas carol. Mm -hmm. Bugs Bunny's Christmas Carol. Exactly. And this one was interesting because it's not supernatural at all. Mm -hmm. There's like no ghosts. It's bugs dressed up as a ghost. I found that fascinating. Yeah, because I think in a way this actually works with the framing device as in uh, these are just all segments that they're performing for each other. And mm -hmm. and here they're just working with what they have. And in this case, so once they knew that Yosemite Sam was going to be our Ebenezer Scrooge in this case, <laughs> they already knew that uh, it wouldn't take a ton to really uh, really go after him or so. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, Bugs Bunny is enough of a creative uh, creative character that he really doesn't need anything supernatural to get to him. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but it also, this whole segment reminded me of the one Looney Tunes cartoon where Yosemite Sam, I like someone dies and he has, he's going to inherit a bunch of money and Bugs Bunny's there to like moderate. And every time Yosemite has some sort of outburst or is mean or nasty, then he deducts some of the money from his inheritance <laughs> and he's just over the top each time. And Yosemite Sam just gets really, really loud and he'll go into a closet to kind of, you know, quote unquote curse and uh you know he falls off his castle all sorts of fun things and at the end he finally is like look look and he has his servants throwing pies in his face he's like look I- i'm good I'm, I'm i can keep my temper and then he it turns out he ran out of money like this whole thing reminded me of that <laughs> i don't know yeah. why it's just yosemite sam as like this scroogey grinchy kind of guy it's it's the perfect fit and yeah our story begins one cold wintry day in the accounting office of scrooge oh it is and with yosemite sam you're gonna get a lot of uh just great random tidbits from him uh with one of my favorites being in the moment where bugs just randomly shows up to throw up christmas christmas decorations hangs up some mistletoe gives him a quick quick kiss to yosemite and says I hate Christmas and I hate mistletoe and I hate kissing. Oh, I hate Christmas. I hate mistletoe and I hate kissing and I say bye humbug to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which spoiler alert, we'll hear later on. He'll he'll bring back the I ah, still hates kissing. <laughs> but I love it because, you know, it's supposed to be Victorian England and, and all that. And he still has his uh, his is Texan or, or wild West, uh, <laughs> uh accent. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's so perfect. Oh, and I was even going to say too, that, uh, along with the uh, Porky Pig as Bob Cratchit, we also mm-hmm. have Sylvester the cat in there who I think in this case just plays a cat. He does. Yeah. He's just Yosemite's cat. And he actually, it made me realize like if Scrooge had owned a pet, like it would have humanized him more. Because you can actually see a little bit of empathy come from Sam, where later on, after Bugs has tricked him to be out in the cold, they both run inside, and Scrooge is getting in bed, and Sylvester wants to climb in bed with him, and he's like, "All right, fine." You know, like he actually mm. does kind of have a little bit of a soft side. Which uh, I would wonder if he uh, got inspiration from that when it came to Chuck Jones's other cartoon, uh, The Grinch, since uh, Jim. Uh, since the Grinch himself uh, has Max the dog as, as his companion, mm-hmm. which is the one area that uh, that already uh, slightly humanizes the Grinch. Right, exactly. It's something about owning a pet. You're kind of a little bit softer. And so I, mm-hmm. I appreciated that uh, at least we got to see that part. So it wasn't like a major turn, especially since there's no supernatural element. You know, he's not like really scared stiff until later on. Um, mm-hmm. So I did appreciate that. But so... Of course, Bugs comes in. He's trying to cheer him up. It's the typical Christmas Carol story uh, for a while. But he realizes when uh, when Bob, Bob, when Porky goes to ask Yosemite for some coal for the fire and he's like, like, get out, you know, uh, and close the door. You're going to let all the cold air in. I mean, all sorts of things. He realizes that, OK, I got to do something to bring some Christmas cheer to this place. And so he actually takes a coal from the scrooge's cat's fire and Mm. gives it to porky pig immediately the cat like rats him out it's (laughs) like sylvester just turns on porky it's it's 
Yeah, it's funny. He's he's just like his master, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Scrooge fires uh, Porky because he thinks he's stealing coal. He kicks out Bugs. Bugs comes in with like carolers. I mean, he does everything he can to get Yosemite just in the mood. And when he's fired, when Porky's fired, he invites Bugs to go back. And this mm-hmm. is where Bugs really starts to see how desperate and dire Porky's situation is. Yep, because uh, uh, that's what we see as family, uh, including our tiny Tim. In this case, played by Tweety Bird. The Tweety Bird, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, just adds to the more meta reference that they're just casting whoever they want in these various parts. Which uh, also gets to the other part, too, uh, where um, uh, where uh, someone uh, looks at him and says, Oh, well, I think it was Bugs who said, mm-hmm. Looks kind of puny. If you had to live on Budsheet, you'd be puny, too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love Tweety. <laughs> yeah, Tweety doesn't get a lot of uh, love, but uh, again, he can be pretty funny too. Mm-hmm. Yep, I always like those Sylvester and Tweety ones. Uh, they were always just great. The the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde one, where Tweety turns into mm-hmm. like that huge beastly bird, uh, was so great. Um, I get, and this is a good point to say. Of course, all the voices were done by Mel Blanc, except for some of the female voices, which were done by June Foray. Um, so that's, you know, really only two major cast and, and that's all you needed. I mean, they, he, he'd done them all previously and that's really all you needed. I, I loved it. Yeah. Kudos to, uh, yeah. Kudos to Mel Blanc as well, considering that even though he was starting it up there, he could still pull the voices off incredibly well, mm-hmm. even though it wouldn't be for a few more years where we finally, uh, had to start dialing down on some of the harder characters. Here, if this was a part of a compilation film, he still could have seamlessly put his voice uh, across the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But he still sounds just as jovial as he did before. He did. He still had the energy and the pep and everything, the attitude needed for all the characters. He embodied those characters exactly the same as throughout. I could hear a little bit of a difference, and it's just from age. It just happens from his bugs. Like his bugs voice was just a slightly, um, slightly flatter i guess i'd say Mm -hmm. but he had the energy behind it that it kind of you didn't care it still made the performance he was still the rascal and (laughs) oh yeah because it wouldn't be i don't think it was until uh daffy ducks quackbusters which is the last time uh, mel blank voiced all the characters right at that point uh, it was just a little uh too uh uh, too geriatric sounding to fully sync up with other ones yeah yeah. Yeah. Even though it does, even though there was a point in that movie where it synced up uh, almost unexpectedly when Daffy Doug had to had to say uh, some voice swing. Oh no! Well, with Doug saying, "Oh, why not?" With Daffy and his old voice going, "Because I'm a split personality." <laughs> I remember that, <laughs> and that was another one of my favorites, the Quackbusters. <laughs> that was so good. Also, so Bugs is at Porky's house, and this is where we get like. Because Porky is behind on his light bill, someone comes in and takes the candle right off their table. And uh, then there's another knock on the door and it's Scrooge has foreclosed on them and they're going to be thrown out. And so this is where Bugs basically, you know, he's like, this means war from now on. And so mm-hmm. this is this is where we get the ghosts angle. And he he starts to go perform mischievous pranks on Scrooge. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Yosemite's like about to take a hot bath and Bugs just shovels in a bunch of snow into the water to freeze him. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's great. 
<laughs> of course, there's that part where he uh, first comes in as the ghost, uh, tries uh, with chains. Now it's time to play ghost. I'll give old Mr. Humbug a Christmas Eve he'll never forget. What the Sam Hills is going on? I know I heard something. Come into the door. No one's there. But then he comes back with a humongous drum. <laughs> yeah, it's a big old bass drum with the cymbal yeah. that he's like banging on and clanging. <laughs> and of course, it's Looney Tunes. So they're able to like escape really quickly. And Yosemite just opens the door. It's like, I thought I heard drums. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 fantastic. So, yeah, he gets them. Uh, he brings the carolers in. They start singing Deck the Halls and Scrooge like chases them out and slips on the ice. And this is where he gets real cold and has to climb back in bed with Sylvester. Yeah. But Bugs does one of the, the things that is like stereotypical that you think of. Uh, he dresses up like a ghost. You know, he has the sheet on him and then he just brings all those big clanking chains that you were talking about. And he talks to Scrooge. He, he, he says, I'm the ghost of Christmas. So like, mm-hmm. that's it. No past, present, future. Just he's, he's all of them, I guess. Yeah. And, but he's dressed in like the sheet with the eyes cut out. Which actually does lead to one of my other favorite moments when uh, Yosemite sees, uh, sees him and just says, great horny toads, a ghost. <laughs> great horny toads. So yeah. he scares Yosemite Sam. Basically he's like, you know, because you're, you're so evil and awful, I'm going to take you to see the, the man in the red suit. And so Yosemite thinks it's, he's like, Santa? He's like, no, the other man in the red suit. And so, of course, he's he's meeting, you know, the devil. And he gets really, really yeah. scared. And that's where he, Yosemite starts like, like, I'll turn for my evil ways. I'll stop sinning. I'll I'll give away my wealth. And so he dresses up like Santa, which uh, seeing Yosemite Sam in a Santa suit is, is it's just spectacular. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that actually leads me to um, uh, think, too, that I think at that by that point, even director uh, Fritz Freeling had already knew that um, uh, there were so many other adaptations of a Christmas Carol out there mm-hmm. that uh, he already knew he wasn't going to have time to do the entire premise. And because he thought, well, people probably know it. So he just essentially condensed it as little as he could into that one sequence where he just well, skips it all and just uh, uh, goes straight to the devil uh, right there. And <laughs> that, that's, that's, and, that's all you need. That's, I mean, that's really the kicker, right? It's, is he <laughs> is basically, he scares Scrooge Christmas future. So let's just cut to the chase and we'll get to it. It's, it's a tight nine, eight to nine minutes. And I, I think it works really well for its length and everything that it entails. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's where we also get another, uh, another uh, like callback to Bugs Bunny where even though Bugs is known for saying, Ain't I a stinker? Mm-hmm. Here he just goes. Ain't I a little Dickens now? <laughs> a little Dickens. <laughs> but he'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> uh, so of course, Scrooge makes Porky his his partner. He hires him back, and of course, and they have dinner. And Tweety uh, raises a toast, and they all sing for he's a jolly good fellow. And then there's another kiss under the mistletoe, and. This is where Yosemite still says, I still hate kissing. Yeah, as if he's just going to go right back to his old ways immediately. That's, <laughs> that's right. Or at least he's probably pro character and thought, oh, I'm done with this whole segment. Well, and basically that's what happens because then it cuts to them actually all eating Christmas dinner and Petunia Pig still in her in her costume. And uh, a lot of them are still dressed 
in their their Christmas Carol segments, but they're like just eating dinner regularly. And and Bugs compliments Yosemite on like his performance, and Yosemite's like, "Well, that was only play acting, Rabbit. I'm tense to get my money back right now. Line up, your varmints. Just drop my money in the hat, Hammocks. Don't be shy." Right away, he's like, "Just put it in the hat." You know, come on. What about you? He's talking to Foghorn Leghorn, and mm-hmm. but watching through the window is Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. And this is our next seg. Wiley Coyote gets inspiration from the roast turkey or roast goose that's on their table and decides he wants roast Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, first of all, I uh, well, seeing the Roadrunner and Coyote uh, uh, not in the desert at the beginning still feels incredibly it, weird. It was odd. Yeah, yeah, it really yeah, did. But she- as far as I'm concerned, uh, well, given that, um, uh, well, since they start off in the snow and they kind of end up back in the snow uh, later on in the uh, Roadrunner special, I think this may be one of the very, very rare moments where their whole chase does not happen uh, completely condensed in the desert. In the desert. Yeah, that could be. You're right. So the whole premise of this one is that, of course, we all know Wiley Coyote wants to eat the Roadrunner. That's the whole thing. And it's just him trying to capture it. But... It's this is all predicated on the fact that roadrunners hate snow. So all of his his devices, all of his plans, they all are geared towards trying to get the roadrunner to go towards the snow because it'll be easier for him to be captured. Which also may be one of the first times we've actually have ever seen the roadrunner with a weakness in this case. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though the bird seed is kind of a weakness uh, already, he usually finishes it off fast enough to get away. But he can outsmart him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the, once once we actually do um, uh, get him to that colder environment, uh, he actually does run uh, just a tad slower uh, mm-hmm. in this case. Because Wiley almost catches him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, one second. In fact, one of the first things he ends up doing uh, is simply buying a uh, cloud seeding machine to just make snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. And of course, uh, <laughs> all that does is it just drops a big pile of snow right on him, Coyote, no matter where he tries to set <laughs> yeah, it off. It's like five, five, five or six times. He goes under, he's like in a cave and it just shoots the snow sideways. He, <laughs> he gets far away and launches the snow and lands. I was like, no matter where he is, he gets hit with this pile of snow, which is so wily Coyote that I can't stand it. It's <laughs> it's perfectly, just perfectly wily. Um, I did like their names, though. So Wiley Coyote was the Grotescus Appetitus <laughs> yeah. and the Roadrunner, you know, because they always have their the little quote-unquote genus and species names um and so his was semper food ellis which is a play of course on semper fidelis semper yeah yeah so yeah i i always liked those because they were always so different i was kind of hoping they'd be a little more christmasy but i was fine with it 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 didn't bother me oh yeah Uh, and that's of course a part of the debate whether adding snow to it would still make it somewhat christmasy which uh i i I mean well because i live in uh, southern california where we Mm -hmm almost never see snow that Same. itself already mm-hmm. kind of uh, gives it kind of a christmas vibe for me yeah yeah so yeah. I, i'm right there with you same thing it's uh snow can really just change the whole atmosphere and it, it kind of does here as well yeah uh, and in fact uh, uh right after the cloud seeding failure that's when we get that whole simple sign switch that leads them into the snow mm-hmm. and uh for once uh that was actually a coyote trick that actually worked it worked uh, yeah because he actually went towards the snow 
and on top of that, that's when he ended up on ice and the Roadrunner immediately realized, oh, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. And <laughs> a very incredibly rare error that the Roadrunner himself uh, might have made in this case and yep. made in the closest that the Coyote actually had a genuine chance of catching this thing. He puts on skates and like starts to skate towards the Roadrunner and he skates in a circle around him. And in typical Coyote fashion, all the rest of the ice falls into the water and the Roadrunner's perfect circle is still floating. And so, of course, he kind of runs and creates like a little bit like a motorboat or speedboat kind of uh, vibe and, and just heads out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And which is more proof that you know, even though the Roadrunner was right there for the catch and yet he still managed to mess it up at that point. Poor Wiley Coyote. He just can't quite do it. <laughs> and so, of course, he walks out frozen, uh, which is it's another great bit. Uh, but then he yeah. gets, uh, what is it, the Acme Jet Propelled Skis. <laughs> and that, he just runs straight into a tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then my favorite bit, I think, out of the whole bit, uh, out of the whole segment here, was he buys the uh, the dog sled with a dozen dogs. And they're guaranteed to, like, catch roadrunners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he opens it up and somehow is is inside the whole thing. He's, like, pulled inside the big old box, this long box that they're in. And you can hear dogs growling and barking. And the box is jumping up and down and moving. And, of course, he escapes and immediately nails the box shut again and reads the fine print in the directions that uh, they love to... They love coyotes, especially for dinner. <laughs> so he just gets well, I'd like, those. I'd imagine those dogs have got to be hungry, given how they just miraculously shipped all 12 and they just one long <laughs> box. And so, of course, they were going to be mad at whoever was going to open whoever, them up. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor coyote. He really got it. And of course, his his fur, it's like uh, dangling off of him and just starts sliding down. He picks it back up over his shoulder. It's uh well, yeah. since the cartoon logic is that uh, animal fur counts as clothes. It's clothes, yeah. And, uh, and of course, one of the other things we get right after that is the rocking horse and lasso. Oh, that one I liked. I did like that. That was cool. <laughs> Which uh, that was uh, that one also got him a pretty cruel punishment with uh, him uh, well, trying to catch the coyote only for him to fall off and a back in the desert. Well, on train tracks where even the horse on the rocking horse just says, I'm out of here. <laughs> He just, and a poor guy, he just ends up getting hit again. Yeah, it's the funniest thing. The horse just takes off, and you know, the, here there he is stuck on the the little gosh rockers, I guess you'd call them, and mm-hmm. he has his lasso and gets hit by a train. Oh man, poor guy. He just he just can't catch a break. And then you have the obligatory giant snowball bit. You know, you gotta yeah, have which- it. <laughs> Oh yeah, which uh, not only maybe um, uh, you know even funnier considering that it's just the simplest of uh, things that he did. It's not something from acne. It's just a random snowball. That he just balled up hoping uh, that <laughs> hoping this it would work. Thing, but yeah, but even that uh, doesn't work here all because he gets caught in his own snowball and just ends up collapsing. Where once he's in the snow, he get, he we finally get like the more like obvious Christmas point where right. As soon as the caddy comes out, uh, he's got a beard of snow and, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just Santa Claus at that point. Pretty much. And uh, then he holds up a sign that says like Merry Christmas and Happy New Year or something like that. Yep. Yeah, uh, which itself uh, 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 does, you know, just ends typically how a uh, Roadrunner short ends because most of the time uh, they usually don't have like a set ending. They just usually 
end uh, whenever it wants or so after right. they sign he has had enough punishment yeah this, that guy yeah. he can really take a beating <laughs> yeah and uh, i'll note too that uh that this segment too was directed by chuck jones and he himself has uh, usually made most of the uh, Roadrunner shorts. The Roadrunners, yeah. On top of that, uh, this is actually the first Roadrunner short in nearly 13 years after uh, they stopped doing shorts in theaters. Gosh, that's amazing. And it would only be uh, pretty soon after that his next Roadrunner cartoon would be the famous one in which uh, the Coyote finally does catch finally the Finally catches him, yep. Uh, but he's just, but the Roadrunner's now like uh, this giant of a thing or so. Yeah. Which, uh, as a perfect way to end it, uh, Coyote then held up that sign that said, okay, wise guys, you always wanted me to catch him. Now what do I do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So after the special, or excuse me, after this segment, we cut to Bugs again leading the, the carolers. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a horse open sleigh. Oh, Uncle Bugs. Hey, what is it, nephew? You promised to read me a Christmas story. My golly, that's right. (laughs) Old silly Uncle Bugs almost forgot. Know something, nephew? What's that, Uncle Bugs? Hey, I think now would be an excellent time for your uncle to tell you all about Sandy Claus and the night before Christmas. I think this time they're singing Jingle Bells. And this is where his nephew Clyde shows up, which always made me wonder. That's his nephew. So Bugs Bunny has to have brothers and sisters. I mean, he's a rabbit. So, of course, he does. He probably has a ton of them. Mm -hmm. But I always made me wonder, like, who Clyde's father is. I don't I don't think I've ever known who who Clyde's dad actually is. I just I just got really curious. Yeah. Yeah, unless they introduce them on some other like modern show or so so like that. I don't think they've really ever addressed uh, Bugs family, but even again, uh, you could still argue that's just part of the meta nature of this. Where, <laughs> yeah. Or they just needed one of his nephews just to fill in the role of like the one kid character in this special. Right. Which, right. Uh, which when you really think about the Looney Tunes, given how just how in, how enjoyed they are by children. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think that they rarely ever implemented uh, children characters of any kind. Yeah. Well, it wasn't because uh, they did Tiny Tunes. Wasn't Buster yeah, Bunny? Yeah. Was that um, one of his nephews as well? Actually, I don't remember. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look that up uh, later on. Uh, yeah, I don't recall. I I'm surprised I don't actually. But let's see. Now I kind of really want to know. Buster. I mean, Bunny. I uh, I mean, I bet a million dollars that I don't think they're uh, directly related, but uh, but they're still like, just so close in personality that you know all the all the tiny tunes at the University are just getting ready to fill in their place. Right. Well, that's true. They were they were basically their the next generation, and it was good, but they never quite took off. I, I think by that time, most of the world was over Looney Tunes until, like you said, Space Jam kind of revived them. Right, and I think what didn't help too was that Animaniacs was uh, coming out right after uh, Tiny Tunes had just ended, or so. Right, and and they really stole the thunder because they were able to appeal a lot more to adults than Tiny Toons did. Uh, even though Tiny Toons still got away with some, uh, you know, pretty good stuff. Um, at least once it got off of Fox Kids and started uh, premiering more uh, show, uh, more episodes on the other channel they were on. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking this up. It uh, it actually doesn't say. It just says that um, 
Bugs Bunny is Buster's mentor. So it could just be just a random bunny, not necessarily related to him. I'm sure mm-hmm. Mike Westfall knows and I'll have to re- uh, remind myself to ask him later. But <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, it, it really doesn't matter. I was just curious. But so Clyde actually goes to his uncle Bugs, who had promised to read him a bedtime story. And Bugs is directing the choir. He they're holding. He's having them hold this note as they're talking. And of course, we get the classic blue in the face because they're holding the note so long, just like that opera mm-hmm. singer. And so Bugs immediately is like, yeah, let's let's get out of here real quick before they like attack us. Yeah, which is an old bit, but it's still a great bit. Still kills. Yeah, yeah, it does. It still kills. So he goes to read him twice the night before Christmas or a visit from St. Nicholas, if you prefer its, its original title. And as they're they're doing this, we cut to the North Pole where Santa is preparing to leave on his trip. And he's even talking Mm. with Mrs. Claus, his suits outside drying. You know, I guess she got it all washed. It's nice. And overhead, we have a plane uh, with two pilots transporting a Tasmanian devil, which, of course, Taz breaks free from the crate that he was in and is launched from the plane grabs a parachute on his way out, which I thought was fantastic. And mm. he just lands and into Santa's suit. And now basically uh, he lands in the sleigh. He makes his normal, you know, Taz noise and uh, it scares a reindeer and off he goes. <laughs> so. Yep. Because even though it's the most random set of events that puts him in the Santa suit and uh, has him take off uh, again in Ludendoon's fashion. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. It's, I think that's like the second weirdest way someone has put on the suit and gotten on some reindeer, you know, look, looking at you, the Santa Claus. But <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So he's basically, he lands on Bugs's roof and Clyde thinks that it's Santa. When all of a sudden there arose such a clatter. Oh boy, Santa Claus. I rushed to the window. To see what's the matter. Hurry, it's him! It's Santa Claus! In that case, you better get to bed. Santa has a thing about kids staying up late, so you don't want him to catch you awake. Now, who could that be on the roof? And so he sends him to bed because, of course, you have to be in bed for Santa to to actually bring you your gifts. Mm -hmm. And so this whole time is, is Bugs reading Clyde's list to Santa or quote unquote Santa to Taz Santa. And he's just, his hungriness is just, he's doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Even though I actually had to watch, uh, watch that sequence uh, uh, a couple of times just to make sure I got everything on the list. And in fact, I even have uh, uh, the list right here. Uh, apparently what was asked for was a solid gold football, a trip <laughs> to Venus, 10 tickets to the world series, a world championship uh, quality hockey team, a carrot farm in the South Pacific, a stereo, a TV, controlling interest in IBM, a subscription to Comic Book of the Month uh, Club, Frank Sinatra's old address book, twin Ferraris with custom grades, a Dr. and Jekyll and Mr. Hyde chemistry set, jet roller skates, a secondhand diner, a laser show, a puppy, a kitten, a pony, a little brother, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Controlling interest in IBM. I love that one. <laughs> and like they Frank, knew ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like Frank Sinatra's old address book. I mean, it's nowadays, you know, my kids watch. I watched this again with my kids just a little while ago. 
they didn't know like half of that stuff, but it <clears throat> they still laughed just because it was funny. And while all this is going on, Taz is eating ornaments and like the the fruit that was on the ornaments, which uh, you know Bug says I don't think that one's ripe yet. Of course, he eats the lights and gets kind of electrocuted. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just having he's just hungry and he's trying to get as much as he can inside him. <laughs> it just sets itself down at the table whilst I step into the kitchen and prepare you a snack. Hey, would you like deviled ham, deviled eggs, or deviled food cake? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, all I have is milk and cookies, so uh, enjoy. Well, considering that we can think about it, um, uh, Taz is essentially uh, like, well, I mean, he's obviously the monster of the group. And right. Mm-hmm. The, any of the segments that uh, that ever, because even though we didn't see a ton of uh, Taz special, Taz cartoons from the golden era or so, right? whenever they did, always paired them with the other bugs or in the one, 1K Staffy. Just because mm-hmm. their reaction at the time was going to be just as funny. Right. Yeah. And it, and it works here. Again, mm-hmm. it's like, why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, why mess with a successful formula? So Bugs, you know, he realizes that Santa's hungry or, you know, Santa. And so he yeah. says, I'll make you some popcorn. So he hold this can of corn while I go get the popper. And Taz eats it immediately. But luckily, he's standing by the fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's when his whole body starts going off almost like a machine gun as all the all the corn is popping on his inside and i think even bugs even says like you just couldn't wait could you <laughs> yeah. now i want to i want to see now a mythbusters episode to see if uh that can happen i know right yeah yeah <laughs> adam jamie get on this guys come on we got to do a whole uh a, a whole looney tunes episode <laughs> Yeah, will popcorn pop uh, uh, in the inside of your stomach and you stand close <laughs> enough to stand close to fire? <laughs> Maybe a volcano. But I think other things would be popping as well. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So then P- Taz starts to look under the tree. He's gonna eat like the presents, and so Bug sets up like a quote unquote gift exchange kiosk. And so he asks Taz if he wants a bigger present, and it's Taz, Taz takes it outside. It's a self-inflating raft like a, a rubber raft that's self-inflating. So he eats it and he balloons up because it's self-inflating and he floats. I'm glad he liked the self-inflating rubber life raft. And that's like the last we see of him for a bit. Yeah, he just floats away out of the special uh, once they decided that that's just the one thing that'll get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, and it works. And then Clyde, of course, is distraught. Santa didn't leave me anything. And Bugs is like, Well, I wouldn't worry, Clyde, because I got a feeling when we return his sleigh to him so as he can deliver presents to other boys and girls all over the world, Sandy will be so happy he'll probably give you your choice of toys when we get there. And so they head off to the North Pole. And that's pretty much the end of that that short there. Yeah. And then we get the the closing bit, you know, like the, the last part of the frame, which is... uh. Bugs again with all the the regular carolers in a sleigh, and Taz is the one that's pulling the sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not dressed as Santa anymore. This is just back to them 
telling their stories and having a good old Christmas show. And eventually they just kind of all fall. And it turns out Taz is eating the sleigh. Yeah. As if he's had enough being uh, their little horse. And it's but, like, nah, I think I'm hungry. I'm going to stay. I'm going to eat this thing instead. Exactly. Yeah. I'm done. I could eat you or I could eat the sleigh. So what's it going to be? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. so yeah. And then of course they, they wish us all a happy holidays and, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I love this one. It's again, nothing. It's like brilliant, but it's just mm-hmm. fun, good, and it's funny. It's very humorous. I laughed a lot. Uh, I just, uh, you know, some good chuckles here and there. I mean, it's just, it brought me back to when I was little watching the special and I loved it. I, I loved every minute of it. I really did. Oh, yeah. And having uh, having seen this finally for the first time not too long ago, I thought this was really funny. And of course, I knew right away that, that there was no way that this was going to go for the traditional heartwarming christmas special <laughs> no that's it's, not it's, what people expect out of a looney tune exactly special. yeah yeah exactly yeah, they, <laughs> they want to go in and laugh and even if it is going to go for heartwarming uh, considering that the last segment is probably the closest it almost gets to it's still it still just goes out of uh, chaos because it's a looney tunes cartoon <laughs> and uh and i will note too that uh that the last segment called the the fright before christmas christmas Mm-hmm. That was also the very last segment uh, that Fritz Freelang ever directed uh, before oh, he wow. stepped back from uh, directing animated shorts. Right. Oh, wow. Because he would later start that other company that would essentially uh, do a few other shorts before he would he would eventually sell it to Marvel. And that company was responsible for uh, animating a lot of the big 80s uh, cartoons. Including there was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marvel did, did quite a bit. There was a... Uh... I think they did Dungeons and Dragons. They did, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I mean, because even though the uh, the the company, uh, that, or at least that whole segment, would eventually uh, become uh, defunct by uh, 1996, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for a company that was started by one of the you know animation uh, legends uh, like Fritz Freelang, it's nice to see that his impact was still felt for a couple more decades uh, before mm-hmm. it all finally shut down. Right. Well, and and both of these guys, Chuck Jones and, and Fritz Freeling, I mean, you you can really feel their legacy throughout even modern times. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at some of these like the Minions and some of their antics. I mean, it, that's straight up Looney Tunes a lot of times. So, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I love their legacy. I love that they have this this lasting legacy that that has just stayed with us and and kind of formed our whole experience our collective you know uh experience and and i'm glad that looney tunes is kind of where it started (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you know the world is tough and and we go to work and we have everything that we face and it's good to just laugh and be silly sometimes and so i i love that and i love that they can really capture that in all their animation oh yeah considering that that um that given how Looney Tunes is obviously very different from Disney in this case, mm-hmm. uh, thankfully every animator that I worked over uh, over adult, uh, Warner Brothers knew that and knew just to just to go on in and always strive for really good writing, uh, especially uh, with bugs, or just with the uh, really good animation that really showed off just how fun and chaotic things can really be here. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I'm, yeah, and plus I'm, I'm also glad that. Uh, that the Looney Tunes have been able to, you know, even though after all the original legends like Chuck Jones are gone, that they've been able to still maintain a lot of TV shows and such. They had that one in like, I think it might have been the early 2000s where they were like 
I, I guess it was in the future, and I don't know if it was actually them or like their descendants, but I think they oh, got superpowers. The lunatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one was interesting. Got watching that one, I've I remember watching some of it, and it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it you know, I it didn't quite have the. It was more serious, and right, and and I kind of missed like stupor duck. You know, like why not just make him stupor duck? It's a mm-hmm. you know. It's a little it even then, that's what a, you really would want to wonder, though, if you really want your Looney Tunes to be a little more serious in this case. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. I, I think it would have been just as fun if they had they had just embraced the looniness of it all. But uh, well, God, that's that's what I usually tell people if they really want uh, like a more modern Looney Tunes uh, cartoon that, you know, definitely definitely feels all the time, but still classic Looney Tunes. That's when I would uh, recommend the, that they go watch the looney tunes show which debuted sometime in the mid 2010s and such i think yeah it was around there yeah and and even i had a little more of a uh kind of a sitcom kind of approach with uh bugs and daffy uh living in a house uh, with some of the other characters going around (laughs) they uh they still had some pretty good things Uh, in fact there was a whole episode where uh, daffy duck uh has to go to the dmv because he apparently had no idea what a driver's license was the entire time (laughs) and uh, and of course, uh, he walks into the DMV, and the first thing he does, he just walks up to the uh, uh, desk just to say, "Hi, Daffy Duck, give me a license." Why did he give him the form? And he's like, "Yeah, I gotta take a test. What? I gotta, I was gotta take a test to breathe, to practice law." <laughs> and it's just this I love whole, like really long segment. Bugs and, and Daffy at the same time. Um, Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. But yeah, because at the same time, um, uh, we also get that other B plot with Lola Bunny, who again was uh, just kind of the uh, eye candy in Space Jam. But right. in the uh, cartoon show, he rewrote her as this like overly attached um, uh, girlfriend character uh, <laughs> who was voiced by uh, Kirsten Wig, mm. uh, and she actually brought a lot of life, and she really made Lola really funny. I like Lola Bunny. Yeah, she's. Like in the in the new Space Jam, which I haven't seen, although my my kids have seen it. It's, yeah, she's definitely has much more agency, and so that's good. But mm-hmm. I love Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny's relationship. They're like the best of frenemies. You know, they're they're antagonistic, but they're also they also help each other out when they can. It's just some of my most favorite memories are them just shouting you know, duck season and wabbit season to each other. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, those are just moments burned in my brain that I can't forget. And so I love their dynamic. Uh, I, I love Tweety Bird and Sylvester's dynamic. It's, it's just uh, same thing. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Like they, these guys knew how to pair their characters very well. Just like we got with mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny and Taz in that, uh, in, in this special here. Um, but I do have a question. If you could be in this special, you know, as a Looney Tunes character, who would you be? I think honestly, in this case, I kind of want to be Bugs Bunny. Yeah, I think he comes yeah, out. Just, just the one guy that has control over everything. Exactly. Uh, at least the yeah. one guy who can control the chaos, but still be his own Groucho Marx goofy self. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He totally comes out smelling the best out of all of them here. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good choice. I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I think it'd be fun. Just to be Yosemite Sam for a little bit, <laughs> just to you know, just to let loose with it. Oh, you rabbit! I mean, I, it's just I hate kissing. I mean, it's just it's fun. 
It makes me wonder, though, that whenever Mel Blanc played Yosemite Sam, I wonder if he uh, always tried to go in whenever he was in a bad mood just so he can, like, put in that frustration into Yosemite Sam's, uh, like, uh, yells or chants or so. Have you ever heard it, like, uh, on interviews when he's asked to do the voices? There's there's an interview, I think it's on with Carson on the tonight show. And so he's like, you know, do the voice or something. And so he's like slipping back and forth between some of the voices. And you're just like, wow, that's, that's just, wow. He's incredible. What a, what a great talent. The voice is like, say Bugs Bunny. They bring the character to you and then you see the character and, and work around that. They show me a picture of the character, a right. still picture. And then they show me a storyboard, which tells what this character is going to do in the cartoons. Right. And they said Bugs Bunny was a tough little stinker. Right. So I had to make make him tough. I thought, which is the toughest voice, either Brooklyn or the Bronx? Right. So I you put the two of them together, Doc. That's how I got the voice for Bugs. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> okay. uh, Daffy Duck. Well, Daffy is <laughs> a sort of a little... Uh, <laughs> Crazy little ducky, he's always uh, thinks he's better than bugs, and he said, <laughs> that bunny is despicable. <laughs> he can just switch back and forth seamlessly and still sound immaculate. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I also love that famous story of his when he got into a car crash back in the 60s, uh, ended up in oh, a coma or yeah. so. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when the doctors had a hard time getting him out of his coma, then somebody probably got the idea to start asking, uh, uh, not Mel Blank, uh, how are you doing? But Bugs Bunny, how are you doing? And uh, Mel again started to respond in those characters, and <laughs> they were able to bring out the use the Looney Tunes to bring him out of his coma and wake him up. That's incredible. So yeah, the Looney Tunes save lives here. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> they really do. Um, so what would you say? would be your hap hap happiest memory or moment with looney tunes in general or the special in particular of either one okay i think honestly uh, i think for me it's just uh, I, I would probably put any roadrunner segment as like my hap hap happiest moment because yeah. those always get a laugh out of me uh, no matter what <laughs> i agree those are so good um for me i one of my favorites is the uh, Transylvania 65000, I think is what it's called. It's the one where he, mm-hmm. he runs into Count Blood Count and they're going back and forth and he's waiting for him to go to sleep so that he can, of course, you know, feast on him. And he's like, asleep yet? No. Like, oh, good night. <laughs> I mean, just everything about that one is, uh, <laughs> I am a vampire. Oh, yeah, I'm an umpire. I mean, just it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I love that one. And the whole uh, abracadabra and hocus pocus bit—it cracks me up every single time. <laughs> Even to this day, I my my kids randomly we we have the DVD of some of these, and they'll put it on, and I just I laugh at that one every time. It's yeah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. well, I'm glad that the uh, Transylvania's the special also is on the uh, Quackbusters uh, movie as well. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and plus, that's what I was going to say, uh, that uh, that itself uh, always uh, makes a good uh, Halloween watch for me whenever I want same. Looney Tunes, but something just spookier. Yeah, yeah, so, same. Daffy Duck's quack bust. Yeah, in fact, that, in fact that, did you ever, uh, have you covered that one yet? No, I haven't yet. It's, uh, it's, ah. it's we're gonna, we just haven't yet. Hmm. But I'll, I'll keep you in mind for that. <laughs> uh, but now we come to my favorite part of the show which is a little segment I like to call gag me with a spoon. So this is where we do our best impression of our least favorite part of the special. Not necessarily something we hated, just something that is not our favorite. 
So as a guest, I'll let you go first. Just kind of set up the scene for us. All right. So, okay. Uh, I'm Bugs Bunny. We're flying in a sleigh, uh, heading back home. And uh, with, the, with the segment ending, that's uh, when I would say, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good bite. I mean, night. <laughs> that's because for me, that was like the one joke that just didn't quite land uh, yeah. the way I would have. Yeah, I got to. And so I actually went with the Yosemite Sam line. And so this is where uh, he realizes uh, that, or no, this is where Porky comes in and asks him for some coal. And he says, I'll give you a piece of coal last Tuesday. You should have made it last. Uh, It's like, come on, Sam, like at least use proper grammar. The, the grammar, even, even, but even that still, even that still leads into that other line where, uh, where he said, uh, uh, "Y'all just stop shivering and start working. You won't be so cold. You wouldn't be so cold, yeah. Like, oh, this guy, like, come on. Uh, but you know, I do got to know. GI Joe taught us that uh, knowing is half the battle. What do you think the other half is? Knowing is half. Okay, knowing is half the battle, but be sure to have enough coal to stay warm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's better than mine. So I thought if knowing is half the battle, the other half is just swift and ruthless vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) Bugs Bunny just, oh man, Robert, this has been a lot of fun talking about this, uh, the Looney Tunes and and this special in particular with you, but like, what do you want to plug? Tell me about your show or anything you got coming up. Okay. Well, for those uh, that don't know, I'm Robert Nicholas. I I am the host uh, behind the bells podcast and, and essentially take classic Christmas movies and TV specials. And I go behind the scenes of their whole stories. Like who was the one that came up with the idea, how they get that idea to script, how the, did it become a script? how they get it to the studio, how it got made and just what kind of impact it has. And anyway, I'm in the middle of doing my two parter series on the behind the scenes story of elf where I've already put out my first part. And I actually had a, a whole nother episode uh, where I did my top 10, uh, Christmas elves list, which uh, is a good uh, segment if you want to get my personal perspective on that. But I'm hoping to get my part two episode out pretty soon, uh, because even though it's not as every week as I was hoping for, I promise you part two is coming. It is a good story. (laughs) Well, by the time this drops, we will have heard it. And it was awesome. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And where can they find you on Oh, well, you can find me on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on Google Podcasts. You can find me on Audible. And, of course, uh, if you're not into any of that, you can also find me on YouTube. But I'm also active on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, much more likely to, um, uh, to be active on Instagram. So that's another good place to find me if you also want a good countdown to the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's how I always know what uh, what day it is and how many days are left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely check it out. Some cool insights, things you've never heard before. Uh, just just great research. It's it's ridiculously well researched, like way better than me. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's fantastic and it's a good time. So definitely check out Behind the Bells. Well, on that note, I'll end it by saying, ain't I a little Dickens though? So check us out <laughs> on our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram at Totally Rad Christmas, Twitter at Rad Christmas, Mastodon at Totally Rad Christmas at Mastodon.world, Blue Sky at radchristmas.bsky.social, or our Facebook group, Totally Rad Christmas Mall and Arcade, where you can make your voice known to us as well. 
We post anything and everything 80s or Christmas related. And if you're feeling like Bugs and Clyde flying Santa sleigh, leave us a review in iTunes. It helps us reach more people and spread some rad holiday cheer. Now, don't forget to check out our merch shop on tpublic.com and our super dope website, totallyradchristmas.com, courtesy of Tis the Podcast Elf, Tom Crow. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good fight. I mean, night. Later, dudes. Saturday, get set for Bugs Bunny's loony Christmas tales. There's lots of ho, ho, ho. Then, twas the night before Christmas, but if the town clock doesn't chime, Santa won't get there in time for Christmas. Two original holiday specials you won't want to miss. Saturday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. This is CBS.